Hi, you're listening to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively brings insights from the Indian space activities ecosystem. I'm your host Narayan, the co-founder of India's first space-focused think tank, Spaceport Sarabhai. Guests on the New Space India podcast help you understand space activities related macro and micro trends within India in all aspects including space history, local industry, space science, technology evolution, law and policy, art and more. The New Space India podcast is supported by Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to enable sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium scale enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellites. Hello everyone. Hope you're having a great day and welcome to another episode of New Space India. I bet a lot of you are wondering why does NP sound a bit different? I am Divya Kalabhavani and I'm here with the four founders of Dhruva Space. Guys, let's go around a bit and have a quick introduction of each of you. Hi, this is Sanjay Shrikant Nekanti. I'm one of the founders and also the CEO of the company. Hello everyone. This is Abhay Agar. I'm the CTO and uh, director at Dhruva Space. I'm Krishna Teja Panmapuru. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Dhruva Space. Hey, I'm uh, Chaitanya Dora. I'm the CFO uh, and founder at Dhruva Space. Also, Dora, the explorer of the team. <laughs> <laughs> good, good one. Now, as a full-stack space engineering company, Dhruva Space undertakes building, launching, and operating of satellites while supporting civilian and defense clients worldwide. Now, getting a bit more specific, you guys indigenously design, develop, and test products and services. These are satellites, satellite orbital deployers, Earth station, and space-based solar arrays. Now, in less than a year since attaining authorization from InSpace in June 2022, Dhruva Space has gone to space three times with a lot planned ahead, including the setup of an assembly, integration and testing facility. It's a lot. It's quite exciting. Now, you guys are really living up to the adage, strike while the iron is hot. Can you talk about the need to not just move fast, but also frequently in an equally fast paced ecosystem? I know opening this up to all four of you guys, picking your brains here. I think you got it right. We have to be fast and frequent. But one thing which we have to take care of is we have to be accurate. It's great to be out in space, great to have many missions and uh, taking care of our technology from all angles. But it's absolutely essential that we got every part of this technology right, which is scalable, which is durable, which can actually take our company as well as what we can serve to others. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, I think what we have achieved in the last one year is, is just a reiteration of the core ethos, which is we want to build satellites faster. We want to have satellites in orbit reliably perform there for at least a few years. And most importantly, we should be in a position to refresh the satellites with newer technologies every few years. So that's where we are heading right now. Uh, so we have validated our smallest satellite platform, the PDOT. We have validated our ability to launch fast using our satellite orbital deployers. We've validated uh, our capabilities to operate satellites from anywhere in the world using a network of ground stations. The next phase, which is extremely important for us, is how do we scale from here? So customers will play a very important role. Partners will play an extremely important role. 
and most importantly the ecosystem in india needs to have the ability to multiply what we have built very quickly and hence the satellite manufacturing facility uh, is planned right now uh, the idea is we want this facility to act as a capacity multiplier for not just us but also for global oems uh, so that they can all leverage what india has to offer for the global market one which is talent to the cost at which we could produce three partnerships between india and global players to create something outstanding i think i would be the right person to actually talk more about what the facility has in store for the global market yeah i think taking off from where sanjay left i think one very critical point that we did mention is the way that we have capitalized or utilized the existing ecosystem within the country if you look at the initial missions that we've done the first two satellites that we have flown and also the separation systems very proud to say that almost about 90% of the entire subsystems or the entire systems were fabricated and tested uh, using the indian ecosystem and we have been able to do this without investing very heavily ourselves into the infrastructure within our own facility um moving on from here what we now see is the potential for us to scale lot of these products to the global market from whom we have been getting consistent and in fact with increased frequency or various inquiries or interest for our product line this includes across the spectrum like you know we're talking about uh, the separation systems the platform itself as well as uh, uh, most specifically the space grade solar arrays or solar panels so from all this uh, inputs that we have received now i we think the time is right for us to consolidate all the manufacturing or more specifically the bottlenecks that we see within our current ecosystem in under one roof which now we have laid the foundation for just a few weeks back so this particular facility is going to cater to a very dedicated uh, um shop floor for manufacturing or fabrication of space grade solar panels and more importantly the testing of these panels which are ex- which is an extremely critical step towards building a reliable system and then delivering it to our end customers along with this particular facility we are also commissioning a huge assembly integration and testing facilities where satellite platforms beyond what our current facility can handle which is about 100 kg class of satellites that can be assembled integrated and tested under one floor before it's shipped out to the launch pad so this is something that we have in store and hope to be open to the global market in the next 18 to 24 months yeah i definitely believe that in the last one year we've done three missions all on the eslv with the success of the PLB and most importantly LBM3 which has launched the onward satellites i believe that in the next 18 to 24 months we would be in a position to look at offering uh, a full launch vehicle capable of deploying thousands of satellites into the low earth orbit yeah pretty excited yeah never say never and i think we've talked a lot about the use of satellites in 
in various capacities over the year. But I think I'm seeing a lot of growing interest in the market of separation systems as well. And the fact that there was space qualified three classes of its deployers. Abai, can you elaborate on the growing demand there in different classes of separation systems? Because it's not something that we talk about a lot. We've talked about satellites a lot, but I'd like to understand more, or audiences to understand more on the separation systems demands. Yeah, this is one segment that we've uh, taken. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting and evolving uh, sector, which is to be able to uh, launch thousands of satellites that they are expected to be launched over the next decade. So we've been seeing satellites that are built in standard form factors, as you're very well aware, the regular CubeSat standards, which range all the way from a 1U size to up to 12U. And now we're talking also about 16U satellites that have been launched off late for various applications. While they started more as academic missions, today we see quite a few commercial missions that are being designed using these standard platforms. Now, if you look at any of, let's take an example of a constellation player who intends to launch about 200 on the satellites of these form factors into orbit over the next 18 months. Now, sticking to one particular launch provider is going to be um, counterproductive towards reaching their own timelines to be able to deploy these satellites in the specific orbits they intend to. What Dhruva intends to do is to capture this particular requirement by being able to be design these separation systems to be launch launch provider or launch vehicle agnostic in the sense that they are compatible with multiple launch providers that are out there today. And uh, we do the heavy lifting of being able to qualify our deployers, integrate them with these folks. And the satellite manufacturer themselves need not worry about any of this, thus giving them a a wide range of uh, launch opportunities. So this is one market that is growing and uh, uh, we hope to be right there to capture this. Just to add on to what Abai mentioned, one increasing trend that we are seeing is almost all new entrants are looking at CubeSats for doing their technology demonstration missions and later on transitioning from CubeSats to doing nanosatellites or microsatellites, which not necessarily uh, adhere to the CubeSat standard. Uh, so that is where I believe uh, there is a huge need for supporting various spacecraft configurations to be launched in the form of a constellation on a variety of launch vehicles. And to that effect, our approach is that on the CubeSat separation systems, we've already established ourselves with space heritage. On the uh, nano and micro satellite separation systems, we are looking at doing licensed production of separation systems in India. And when it comes to deployment of huge constellations, I think our focus would be on developing multi-stage launch adapters that can deploy these constellations of satellites on, on, on a variety of launch vehicles. We are in our initial phases of forming these global partnerships for licensed production of separation systems, but I think there will be some announcements very soon on that. Quite literally taking watch this space very seriously. I think you've mentioned, Katie's just mentioned in the beginning a little bit about accuracy. You talked about design requirements as well. It made me think about product design as a really important vertical that as a full stack operator, we really have to think about. What are kind of the um, 
how do I say, the ups and downs of product design for being a full stack company, because it's a lot. And where do you kind of draw the line there? And how do you know when to diversify and when not to? Because it seems like you guys are handling a lot. Uh, if I can, I, I won't talk too much about the product, but just to give a bit of background, like I, in the last four years, more than 100 people must have said, you guys are trying to do a lot. <laughs> so our first real exposure out in the world right after COVID was where we showcased a lot of prototypes of the products. By then we had some products ready, but just this thing, people were like, okay, this is a good problem you're trying to solve, but it's going to be pretty tough. And in subsequent meetings, subsequent with the same set of people, we've actually shown that what we promised back in the IAC meetings, we're actually executing it. They're now out there reaching the market. We're just trying, next step is just scaling up. So we've proven it, but I'll let Abai or Katie talk more about actual product development, but that's more of a perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a choice which we have made uh, willingly. So if you're looking at uh, talent pool or what are the challenges, one is technology and the second one is engineering, what resources are available to us. So if you look at mission design, then engineering, which is building the satellite or the uh, deployer or the ground station, and then finally the operations to manage such huge number of satellites seamlessly and provide solutions. So there are three different aspects which we have to take care of while we are building this entire solution. From the people point of view, from the availability of talent pool point of view, I think we are covered. India has a good resource pool, so we are not in dearth of any engineers to solve the problem. So we are very well taken care of there. In terms of manufacturing capability, thanks to ISRO and DRDO, we have a very well-built ecosystem out there, which has been nurtured and meticulously taken care of for the past few decades. So what we have is a very completely shined diamond. So we are just utilizing this ecosystem to build on top of it. And if there is anything missing, we are trying to fill in those blocks and cater to our clients. So as far as the full stack point of view, we have the capability. When I say we, I'm saying any company in India can think in those angles to provide this solution. If you're looking at a specific problem which we are trying to adhere, for a lot of people, when they launch satellites, ground stations an afterthought. They don't even think of ground stations when they are doing a mission design. They feel that we can work with a ground station provider way down the lake, way down when we have decided when we are probably about to launch, we can discuss on what we have to do on the ground. But anyone who has been through the entire mission, they know that you can optimize really well when you have the entire thing in your hand. You can build your satellite, which matches very well with your ground station. You can build your ground station, which matches very well with your satellite constellation. So getting all these three things together, ground space and launch would give ground space and launch would give you a flexibility like no other person. So you can build a solution which is really optimal and solving the problem. So I, it's we were all four of us at least were on the same page when we decided say we have to do all three together. We have to be a full stack company to provide a solution. Yeah, and just to add on to that, I think uh, there was a lot of thought that went into uh, doing what we are doing today. At the end of the day, if you don't get your product right and product market fit right then then you're you're probably at a loss right so i think we we spent a lot of time trying to understand what technologies we need to work on what technologies we have to build and house at the same time understand what the market needs and then some of our uh, products 
so we have a dot platform which is catering to new entrants who want to do like a technology demonstration mission yet at the same time a large enterprise customer could launch a constellation of these satellites to have their own decentralized network for secure communications or relaying uh, sensor data especially for iot applications when it, when it comes to the p30 variant which is more like a mid variant of our satellite platforms which usually has a lifetime of about 3 to 5 years we try we try to have numerous conversations with customers not just within india but a lot of players across different continents to arrive at a, a baseline configuration which will serve their immediate purpose but at the same time gives them the flexibility to scale offering enterprise value and value also for defense and military customers so this is still in the works this is a platform for which we already have customers uh, which we will probably be doing a technology demonstration mission later this year and also early next year but if i were to draw a parallel against how we have grown on the p dot platform we built a satellite we launched the satellite and at the same time we had customers for the p30 we were able to get customers while we were already developing the product so we can already see that customers not just within india but outside of india value what we are building which validates our hypothesis which is having a product fit having a product market fit at the same time also figure out the scalability aspect where the customers who are signing up with us today can trust us that 24 months down the line if they have to roll out tens or dozens of satellites every few months the facility will cater to those requirements so i think that way it's been super fun building it and and the journey is still on yeah i think i see that's where the customer development model that you guys have has been really working very well so far for you and it's interesting that we both talked about the indian space economy how we can all the kind of different startups entities government entities as well have been all working in harmony to really further india as a space nation how do you guys see the indian space economy changing the world like what ripple effect do you guys see there i'd like to hear from all of you that question took us uh, we are just collecting our thoughts all of us were <laughs> silent space economy Okay, I think let's just talk about some uh, what ISRO has done so far. I think, like I mentioned yeah. before, the ecosystem which ISRO has built has laid a foundation like no other. So we are at a place where we can practically build an entire satellite or a constellation and launch them out of a single city. We did everything from our own city, from Hyderabad, and from India, we will be able to provide solutions without having to go anywhere else. So that's like a huge. a resource at your disposal for any company any startup or even a big company to have it so that you can build your applications now what india is turning towards currently probably i think uh, sanjay or uh, dora might have a better opinion but uh, what i see is now indian companies are at a position where they are thinking not just about manufacturing not just about building stuff but they are trying to think of solutions offerings design as part of their offerings that changes a lot the moment you stick to only the manufacturing part of things or build to build to print so that's where it restricts your scope but now i see there's a fundamental change in how companies are thinking now people are thinking about providing eo solutions from 
from India. Their companies are thinking like us. We are trying to provide a full stack solution. We are not just saying we'll manufacture fewer designs. We are trying to provide a full stack solution to whoever is coming coming for coming to us. So that's something which will change a lot from how India is going to be looked at going forward in the space side of things. So far, it's been ISRO at the forefront. Now, I think ISRO and India, Indian government, the entire ecosystem is enabling private players to take the mantle and take it much forward. Yes. Currently, I think India is less than 2% of the space ecosystem, the share across the world. Right. But that is rapidly changing primarily because it's not just ISRO who is now looking at supporting the whole ecosystem, the global ecosystem, but also the private players. And I must also say that the government has been pretty engaging in this aspect. NSIL, ISRO, in space, they've been so helpful in bringing, moving things forward, especially in the last, I'd say, one year. Because, yeah, the first two missions that we did, I think there's a lot of build-up to it. We had to put in our applications a long time. There was a lot of back and forth in setting up the procedures. But the third, the April mission that we did, I think we started the mission only in January. Yeah. That's just a four-month period during which, again, ISRO, NSIL, and in space have helped us get necessary permissions in place, helped us integrate everything into the rocket, supported us. Of course, we had to be thorough in ensuring that every test, or we had to be sure this is exactly what is what we are launching out there, and this is how we are testing. We are making sure everything is safe from what we are our perspective so we've done our job and we had that support which yeah. was not there so now there are so many industries that were disrupted the moment india entered into the industry be it pharma be it uh, so now you can expect the same amount of disruption that is going to come out of india and all the forces to drive it in the right direction are in place yeah, I think space policy being announced, we take it as one of the very watershed moment, if I may say so, in terms of defining the various roles of uh, you know the entities that have been in existence for quite some time and the roles being defined for each of them to remove whatever ambiguity that was there running till the policy was released. So this, I think, Kadora has very clearly elaborated on the impact of that and the contribution that you'd start seeing from the Indian private sector. Having said that, I think if you're talking large on a larger scale in terms of what kind of impact we would start playing at a global scale, there are two things. One, within the domestic market, we strongly feel that along with our fellow peers and fellow colleagues across in the Indian private space ecosystem, we shall start seeing the local demand on the downstream side also being serviced by the companies that are within India. In a way, today, if let's say we are procuring the services from an international company, we will slowly start seeing this particular demand being offsetted or being serviced by the Indian companies themselves. This could be both government-related or enterprise as well. So this is one disruption that we will start seeing very soon, where we'll be talking about our own constellation, etc. Number two, is capturing a significant pie of the global supply chain and bring it to India. This is already being done at various levels, but considering the overall landscape change of a lot of companies moving towards constellations, 
the number of satellites themselves increasing we will start seeing that a good chunk of supply chain or india being looked at a very critical supply chain partner in a global scheme of things i think these in both these fronts multiple of our private startups and companies that have been in existence for quite some time will start making their presence felt yeah i think from my side i agree to what kelly abe and dora just mentioned but in addition to all of this what i believe is going to be a welcome change is i think there will be more number of cross border activities that will happen uh, you know with with several countries where in uh, india isro uh, the indian uh, uh, msme ecosystem and the startup ecosystem will start working with players around the world to develop technologies that can improve the life of people on earth we have india has a huge potential for using satellite based services uh, i mean to be very honest i think in the current scheme of things uh, i think we we are while we have de- isro has developed amazing applications for people to use especially uh, where state governments i think there is tremendous amount of uh, uh, value still to be created uh, where users can start using satellite as an enabler to for their own use cases it could be several use cases across various spectrums it could be towards device management it could be towards internet of things it could be towards different types of new services also across entertainment across observing weather while these are things that are very much needed for the country i think at the same time the ability the ability for companies to think very big is going to increase significantly i think in this decade or in the coming decade people will definitely be going back to the moon and i'm i'm very sure that there will be technologies that indian companies will develop for people to explore beyond earth and also in earth where human space flight could actually become a common thing so i think now is definitely an exciting time for uh, indian entrepreneurs uh, generally even the indian community to look at collaborating with foreign players and also looking at the space sector more seriously interesting and you talk we're looking at the ecosystem as being very rich in story right now there's so many things happening in in tandem how do the four of you recommend or suggest that companies across the gamut across industries take advantage of this greater access to space and also pursue emerging use cases for example to industries that maybe don't traditionally go to space let's look at pharma as Thora mentioned there's so many different ways that people are using satellite data for example or even the very spacecraft yeah maybe i think i can just quote an example when i was in college and we were building satellite we, we went to isro and there were a lot of scientists who were giving an address to us and we were trying to figure out how do we build a satellite and all of that and then one of the scientists goes that goes on and says guys i think you you all can think in a very innovative way uh, you have to just come up with an idea which is out of the box and he goes on to say why can't a mobile phone work in space like it's just that nobody thinks about it 
But deep down, if you go and just ask ourselves these questions, I think there's a lot that remains unexplored. And I believe that is where we find the answers to several of these uh, questions. Also, when it comes to, you know, some of our product development, I think there, there were moments where uh, Dora and Katie, both of them are very good gamers. And, and there was this question on, why can't we just fly a GPU in orbit? And we could use a GPU to crunch crunch data and come up with some useful feedback. At the same time, looking at some random stuff and, and then, you know, we, uh, well, not so random, uh, some Instagram videos and we came across a mechanism that is used in a car. And then we thought, hey, you know what, why can't we just use this as a uh, unfurlable mechanism in orbit? So I think these are some of the things that inspired us or some of these conversations made us look at things differently. And that one thing led to the other, maybe we can add more. Yeah, looking at this slightly different from just the Indian perspective, probably I think Dura and Sanjay can add to this. Usually for any company coming up, like same as us, we had three major problems. One is the technology. Second is the financial part of it. Third is the policy part of it. Technology side as a private company, we have to handle it using the ecosystem. Let's say put that aside. Then we are left with policy and finance. Policy side, I just want to quote, not just, I want to just share an experience like for our recent mission, which Dura mentioned before. We started in Jan and we closed all the regulatory work needed for the April mission. That's four to five months. We closed everything that wouldn't be possible without government, ISRO and the necessary bodies who are there without their support. We wouldn't have been able to achieve that. There have been instances where the following up from their side to us was more than what we were trying to reach out. So that's a lot of change in what has been, what's been the case in 2012, 2015 to what it is now. So there's no chance of any excuse on saying the policy is being formed or we do not have necessary resources. So that's mm-hmm. something we cannot say anymore. So that's all already taken care of. And in terms of finance, I think Sanjay have been the forefront while we are doing the fundraise. And in 2018, 19, we are doing it. I think they have met more than around 100, 150 investors. 150 investors before we got our first set of investors who have accepted and invested in us. But now I think that also has changed. There are a lot more investors, a lot more inviting, and they're a lot more understanding about the space sector has increased. Yeah, that that has that's been uh, yeah, that has been amazing. That's been a real uh, pleasant experience for us because things are changing and moving the right direction as a domain as a whole. Yeah, probably Dora want to add a bit uh, about that. Yeah, I'll just go back to the where we started off. That uh, when we're talking about different industries that can leverage space, why we do not want to get into that right away from our side. We, I think the platform that we're building really is going to support that uh, whole idea, right? So if someone has a creative idea on how to use space, all they need to do is support us with the payload and uh, work with us on the idea and our whole end-to-end platform is putting things out there. So we've actually, uh, we talked to quite a few companies that are trying to do interesting stuff in space. Like you mentioned earlier, pharma drug development from space. So it's some, it's a concept that's been there since the 19, early 1990s, but it's now kicking off because it's actually viable in terms of the pricing, because we are actually being able to bring down a lot of pricing across the board and it makes sense for us to do it and take that risk. 
similarly uh, there's a lot of environmental i think sanjay was talking to a company just uh, three days back uh, that is environment focused trying to uh, derive uh, data from space for that purposes so yeah uh, that's where we are coming in where we really would be excited and it also supports our own business model in the sense where people come up with innovative even wacky ideas on how to use space yeah that's that's a really good sum up but i think just also to give the listeners a perspective i think we should we should never forget that space is part of our daily life we just don't uh, appreciate it enough if you're watching the television it is powered by a satellite if you're you know communicating with somebody it's powered by a satellite if you are ordering food and there's a home delivery that is happening there is a satellite involved in indirectly right so directly or indirectly space has been part of everyone's life a lot of technologies that we use on earth today have all been uh, invented in space at some point in time uh, but a huge opportunity that exists today is uh, with the uh miniaturization of electronics and a lot of interesting technologies that have been developed on earth can now actually enhance our capability to explore space very differently so if there were a lot of technologies that were invented in space that found applications on earth today could be a trend reversal where a lot of technologies developed on earth can might just directly work in space without much modifications so leveraging these capabilities to build something extraordinary is what a lot of new space companies are trying to do of course that is also something that we are trying to do where we could also act as enablers where people with extremely creative ideas can leverage our platforms to do something meaningful in space so we've talked about the space we've talked about the launch now to talk about the ground I'm sure Katie's very excited, as I can see quite well. So, wh- where do you see the ground segment headed in the next five to ten years, Katie? Because there's for people to truly own a space asset, it, it, it requires that particular segment and to really understand what that particular segment can actually do and how it operates. It's it, it, for me, it's a very complex topic. I'm reading up as much as I can on it, but I'll leave it to you to kind of the expert to kind of break it down and really. define the main engine of growth for the ground segment. Yeah, so on the ground side of things, I'll put it this way, I think currently or even few years back when we look at things people were having like 7.5 meter dish, 11 meter dishes, this huge antennas which were talking to their satellites and getting your data down. That there is one change that is happening where because of the satellites which are being more agile on their on the Leo side, they are five hundred kilometers distance. There is some innovation happening on the ground segment where the dishes, this sizes can come down to five point four, three point eight meters, etc. That reduces your cost and complexity and still address the same issue, provide some data rates and give data down to the user. This is not just happening at the antenna end, even on the receiver side. people traditionally used to go with baseband equipment which is very large and costly and now they are migrating towards sdrs and more virtualization pushing the data to cloud and for using using directly for your applications so there is a lot of change going on which is natural which is gradual but it's happening throughout where you are seeing the ground stations are taking more risks 
previously the ground stations were huge because they wanted to not lose even a bit of data or a bite of data. They wanted to have everything captured. So there is some risk-taking appetite coming into this new age, new space companies where they want to balance out the cost and the business model along with the product and technology and they want to come up with the solutions. So that's changing the ground station landscape by quite a bit. And then you have opticals and few other technology side developments which are happening, which will enable data rates to go up to 500 megawatts, 1 Gbps, which is happening even now. So even greater than that. So that's not an, a dream anymore. It's happening quite as a reality as we speak. So uh, the change has been quite a lot. Now we have to see how many Constellation players come up in the future, more satellites coming up, how they design the ground stations. And yeah, with these things in mind, I think Truva is heavily invested into the ground station side. We believe ground stations will play a key role in providing an entire solution for any client. So yeah, we are investing heavily into it. Yeah. Uh, just to add on to what Katie mentioned, I think the, if there's one area which has not gotten a breakthrough change, uh, I, I would say that is the ground station domain. I think that there are slowly a lot of changes that are uh, happening uh, in the ground station domain. Uh, one important factor to one important factor that will that will let things remain as it is for at least some more time is that a lot of existing satellites already use legacy technologies and it is a little difficult to go back and change those technologies. I think at least in the foreseeable future, we would see that the change across the ground station spectrum will slowly, uh, it, 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 the changes in the ground station vertical will not happen suddenly, but it will happen slowly over a long period of time. And our uh, approach to that is uh, in, in this particular ground segment vertical, where to our users, we want to provide uh, data from our satellites at the fastest possible time. We are very closely watching the sector involve and are very selectively investing in technologies uh, that will transform the ground station vertically. Uh, so some of the areas that, that are of great interest to us is optical communication, inflatable antennas, phased array antennas, and software-defined radios. In addition to this, I think cloud and data processing on the cloud will be an extremely important sector to track. So we are not looking at offering our own cloud service. We are trying to work with some of the very large corporations to see how uh, their uh, uh, innovation on cloud computing and newer algorithms, especially in AI, can have an implication of the quality of service that we provide to our users. Wonderful. And I think it's interesting that we've covered these three very important segments of Duva's offerings. but And I think one of the key questions that we get, whether off record or on record, is capital for something like this, right? Now, and I think one key phrase that we've been using a lot is capital efficient. I really want to kind of dive into that because I really, and I want to bust some myths there, guys, because there is a lot of expectations and reality kind of memes about all of these things. But what does it really mean to be, A, you're in the new space economy, which 
you not just you don't just have to be very savvy about the innovation and the tech. You also have to be very savvy about the business. You have to be very savvy about the resources. So when we talk about capital efficiency, when we talk about making sure that you provide your full stack in a very cohesive way, can we open the discussion about what this means on the business side of it? How do we get capital efficient? What do you see capital efficiency in the new space economy as? Yeah, India is the most capital efficient space exploration enterprise, I would say. It has always been uh, talked about that, right? So we are just building on that. Yeah, I think at our company, we have a simple policy. We just go to Dora and say, hi, Dora, we need money. And he says, no. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have to build our case around it. Thank you for listening in to this episode of the New Space India podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, Please share this episode with anyone you believe will enjoy listening to it. You'll be able to find the New Space India podcast in any of the podcasting platforms that you may be using, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and others. Do subscribe to the podcast in case you want to receive new episodes automatically. I'm grateful if you're able to leave a rating for the podcast, which will help others discover it. Thank you for listening in again, and the next episode will be out in the next two weeks as usual.